Hi, friends. I hope you are in good health and safe. Um, thank you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for your practice. If you're listening on the podcast, tremendous. I'm glad you found the uh, free podcasts. If you're watching on the video, hello, here I am. <laughs> um, I'm going to continue my effort at uh, translating the Lotus Sutra with many annotations to integrate it with our Nichiren Doctrine uh, practice, uh, but also uh, to, hmm, to be more clear or less obfuscated by the rhetoric of cultural and religious bias. Because as you know, uh, Buddhism is not a religion, uh, but it can be treated as such, and that's really a shame. Chapter 3, A Parable. Uh, although it's called a parable, and that's an important part of chapter, the existence of Chapter 3, uh, it begins with kind of a, a continuation of the Hoban chapter, in that, uh, as the Hoban chapter made clear, by picking the most, should I say, well-educated, the most honored uh, scholar, of Buddhism to this point, following the teachings of the three lesser vehicles, Shariputra, right, a leader amongst this huge assembly of Bodhisattva, Mahasattvas, and others, right, Upasika, Zubasaka, so on and so forth. Uh, Shakyamuni pulls Shari, uh, Shariputra aside, or Sharihotsu, if you're used to reading his name in the Gangyo, to let him know, look, these uh, 40 or more years of teaching have been to try to inspire aspiration of the goal from the get-go for monks and, and students to realize they can achieve Buddhahood in this life. In other words, living this life free of stress and anxiety. That's been the goal all along. But somehow, this idea that that could not be achieved in this lifetime, has plagued students without fail, without end. Some may have gotten it, but I need to put an end to that. And I'm picking you, the most educated, the most honored for your scholarship, Shariputra, to understand that this nirvana that everyone's been chasing down was a provisional goal I gave everyone so that they would stay steadfast because they were in danger of quitting. They couldn't, they, they, their disbelief was so strong in the idea that they could be enlightened in this lifetime that they were ready to give up without even getting there. So I gave them the goal of nirvana, something they could aspire to, and uh, in the hopes that they would figure it out. But now, you know, it's been all this time. I've got a limited lifespan as a human being, a teacher here. So no more, no more, uh, no more Mr. Nice Guy. I'm going to tell you what it is, what everyone can do, and what everyone should do, because it's so simple. If you'll just raise your mind of aspiration. 
accept and understand how this potential, it's already there. All you need to do is awaken it. It's not like you have to contort yourself into something you're not. You just need to open this gateway in your mind. So because this is a radical departure from what everyone's been doing, it's a teaching strictly for bodhisattvas, lotus bodhisattvas, more specifically, because I've been teaching bodhisattvas, sharvakas and pratyakabuddhas, but uh, and Shravakas, but um, this this culmination everyone accepts as arhat is not the end goal. It's an accomplishment, yeah, but it's not the end goal. In fact, it's not really an accomplishment because to call it an accomplishment is to validate the arrogance of those who believe they've achieved it, like you, Shariputra. But if you're still open to going the rest of the way to accomplishing the one Buddha vehicle way, then you're not one of the arrogant ones. You're one who follows the teachings of Buddha. Not like the 5,000 who got up and left earlier on who think they've already gotten there. Hmm? So in chapter 3, we start off right away with Shariputra after the Hoban chapter saying, at that time, Shariputra ecstatic with joy. Oh, man, we're going the whole nine here, right? The whole Monty, the full Monty, I guess you would say. <laughs> Instantly rose up. He was excited. Whoa, I'm going to hear something, a direction here from Buddha himself to the full accomplishment of my enlightenment in this life. Oh, my, how fortunate am I? This is somebody who appreciates Learning, the perfection of wisdom, you may say, yes? He folded his hands, Shariputra did, and looking up at the honorable Buddha's face, spoke to the Buddha, saying, Now, hearing the sound of the law from the world-honored one, I am filled with ecstasy, obtaining that which I have never experienced before. Yeah, lay it on me. <laughs> For what reason? Because of long ago when I heard of such a law as this from the Buddha and saw bodhisattvas who were predicted to become Buddhas. Because you've been talking about this all along. I've always thought, right? We were never prepared for these things and greatly distressed ourselves at having lost the Tathagata's infinite knowledge. See, while some took it to mean that, well, that's unattainable, so let's just go for this nirvana thing. People like Shariputra were like lamenting, oh, there's got to be a way I could get there. But I'm damn sure going to practice everything I know and I'm hearing from Shakyamuni to the best of my ability if there's any opportunity at all. That's a very hopeful, brilliant attitude and intent. I keep coming back to that, folks. That's what Buddhism is about. 
World Honored One, he says, Tathagatas um, uh, constantly when dwelling alone in mountain forests or under trees, whether sitting or walking, I was occupied with this thought. We equally have entered the law of nature, but why does the Tathagata save us by the small vehicle law? This is our own fault, not the world honored ones. This must be a limitation of our own. Otherwise, why not just give us the key? Go all the way. Why are you limiting our potential? Well, it's not you. It's it's us. We just don't see it. So Shariputra is fully aware that the Sangha, the, the Buddhist community of practitioners was supposed to be getting something out of these teachings that they they weren't bothering to get. It's kind of like an internal politic, a cultural bias. And he recognized it. But he didn't know how to get around it. So now he's excited because he's going to get what he always knew was the potential, just wasn't sure how to unlock it. And now he's going to get it. So is everyone in this incredible assembly, right? For what reason? Because had we attended to his teaching in regard to the accomplishment of perfect enlightenment, if, it, if we had really paid attention, we should certainly have been delivered by the great vehicle. It should have happened. Whereas we not understanding his tactful method of opportune teaching, on first hearing the Buddha law only, casually accepted, pondered, and bore witness to it. Yeah, yeah, this is all good. Yeah, I'm going to work on nirvana. Right? There's a certain amount of, what is it? A mixture of laziness born of disbelief, right? Ichantika kind of tendencies. Mm. Shakyamuni fully expected for them to get beyond that, but they didn't on their own. So here comes the Lotus Sutra. Okay, this is it. Stop fooling around. World Honored One, Shariputra continues. Ever since then, I have passed whole days and nights in self-reproach. Searching within his own mind. What am I missing? What am I not getting? Knowing that there was something he wasn't getting. Not those arhats who left. They thought, wow, we got it. This is it. So I annotated. Here, Shariputra realizes the error of Shravaka, Pratyaka Buddha, and Arahant, or Arhat, practice. With his own casual attitude being the key factor in not realizing for so long that he was not pursuing the highest goal of Shakyamuni's teachings. Now, having listened with intent, Shariputra is excited and embarrassed at the same time. Wow, what a cathartic moment, yeah? I find that almost more important than the parable in this chapter. Okay, so 
He goes on, but now on hearing from the Buddha the unprecedented law, which I have never heard before, I have ended all my doubts and regrets, am at ease in body and mind, and am happily at rest. Shariputra acknowledges that the fault is in hearing and not in the Buddha's words, right? Which he's already stated. That's an annotation again, by the way. Today I indeed know that I am really a son of the Buddha, born from the mouth of the Buddha, evolved from the law, and have obtained a place in the Buddha law, the engine of life. More annotations. One. The son of the Buddha is a person or sentient mind born, quote-unquote, of the same source as all the Buddhas. The mental paradigm shift to liberate us from our cravings and clinging of samsara. Samsara is the invented realm, not Buddha. Buddha abides. It is the engine of life. Secondly, born from the mouth of the Buddha is to be born of the teachings of Buddha, Buddhaness, Buddhahood. This is what makes us sons and daughters of Buddha because Buddha is within our capacity to experience. And through the engine of life, remember quiescent energy through formations into the realm of form is itself the process, the Buddha. Third, evolved from the law, is to realize that all phenomena are instantiations of the potential energies of formations into the realm of form. There is no discrimination. Discrimination equals samsara. Hmm? At that time, Shariputra, desiring to announce this meaning over again, spoke thus in Gathas, in verse. I, hearing the voice of the law, have obtained the unprecedented. My heart is full of joy. I always knew that Buddha was a reality for us, right? And all nets of doubt are gone. From a, of long ago have I received the Buddha's teachings and shall not miss the great vehicle. I'm not going to sleep through this opportunity, right? The voice of the Buddha is very precious. Able to rid all creatures of distress, I, now freed from imperfections, hearing it, am also rid of anxiety. Anxiety. Right? One of the Four Noble Truths. How to get rid of stress and anxiety. Dukkha. Hmm. When dwelling in mountain valleys or abiding under forest trees, whether sitting or walking to and fro, I ever pondered on this matter and deeply accused myself, lamenting, why am I so self-deluding? We also are Buddha sons who have equally entered the faultless law, yet we cannot in the future proclaim the supreme way. Why? Why have we kept ourselves from this realization? 
The golden 32 signs, the 10 powers, and 8 emancipations are all included in the one law. Yet, I do not attain them. It's just acceptance and understanding. You haven't resolved to awaken your Buddha nature. You're going through the motions of doing all these acts to figure out your mind, but you haven't resolved to do that final implementation, that final renge. Hmm? The 80 kinds of excellence, physical beauty and other special characteristics of a Buddha, the 18 unique characteristics, merits such as these, I have entirely missed. I'm not living it. I'm studying it, but I'm not living it. Ah. When alone I was walking to and fro and saw the Buddha in the great assembly, his fame filling the universe, abundantly benefiting all creatures, I thought I had lost this advantage and that I had deluded myself. Always by day and by night, I ever pondered these things, desiring to ask the world-honored one whether I had lost my opportunity or not. That's on you, my friend. Decide. Just do it. <laughs> ever did I see the world-honored one extolling the bodhisattvas. Therefore, by day and night, I have pondered such things as these. Now I hear the voice of the Buddha opportunely teaching the law, faultless and inscrutable, which causes all to reach the wisdom throne. Buddhaness. Formerly I was attached to heretical views, being a teacher of heretical mendicants. As Shakyamuni said earlier, using suffering to get rid of suffering. Ah! Right? Using limited goals in order to be freed. You're limiting yourself. So here, Shariputra is recognizing that. The world-honored one, knowing my heart, uprooted my heresy and taught me real nirvana. Hmm? I'm even put that in there. Yeah, because that makes more sense to understand why he's saying what he's saying. Hmm? Thus, having completely freed myself from heretical views and obtained proof of the law of the empty, then in my mind I said to myself, I have attained extinction. Bingo! Right? The body thing, the arhat. The nirvana thing that says, me, 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 perfection. No. Just perfection. Not identified, experience, perfection, Buddhahood. You see the difference? Sounds subtle, but it is very profound. It's the reason for this sutra. But now I have perceived this is not the real extinction. See, I thought this earlier nirvana was it. But now you've shown me it is not. It was a temporary, a false extinction. 
It was an extinction of a lot of things, but not myself, which is the ultimate stumbling block. In fact, it is the source of all the other attachments. Without this idea of an identified physical self being an I, there's no need for identification of everything else. All of that data collection, that warehouse of stuff, is not is, blah, 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 is all in service of validating this physical I, which is constantly changing. It's a craving and clinging, clinging of selfdom, whereas the, the huge opportunity of a true self as a compendium, amalgam of energies constantly moving, constantly changing, moment to moment to moment to moment to moment, so much more immense and valid because it's now, 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 now. Happening. We are verbs, yeah? I know that's a weird thing to say, but... Whenever one becomes a Buddha, he possesses all the 32 signs. When he says becomes a Buddha, do we magically change? Do we grow a lump between our eyes and on the top of our heads? Do our earlobes get longer? No, that's not what he means. When we open our mind, our sentient minds, the I, that's what he means. Open the experience of Buddha. Universal realms of influence. Men, yakshas, dragons, other spirits revere him. Buddhaness. Hmm? Then it may be said, extinction is forever complete, nothing remaining. Now, if you look up in uh, Buddhism reference, Nirvana. You will see that there are two types of nirvana as we study. The nirvana of remainder and the nirvana of no remainder. Now, I bring this up again because it can be a stumbling block in understanding what is bodhisattva, right? Because on the one hand, in the uh, three lesser teachings that include bodhisattva, There's this goal, this false goal of nirvana, which is a nirvana of remainder, because you're still here. But that's a false nirvana in those teachings. Now, with the lotus bodhisattva, this bodhisattva understands that true extinction is all the way in and of the self. The Buddha is a mental experience and not a physical one. However, by remaining in this physical 
Saha world, not Samseric world, but the Saha world, we have the opportunity to extend our experience of Buddha-ness by interacting, affecting, effecting, influencing others on this journey. And you could say, not wrongly, isn't that nirvana with remainder? But that's a totally different remainder. You see why language, it fails us. So on the one hand, there's a nirvana with remainder that is a false nirvana. And in the lotus, there's a nirvana with remainder in order to achieve the maximal propagation of a bodhisattva who has reached full extinction in the mind, no longer attached. That's where all these fables come from of to the denial of the body. We hear this all the time. But this is what this means. We don't service the body's skandhas. We're not looking for pleasures of the skandhas, of the senses. Because they're all related to, ultimately, the physical body. Right? We're not talking about emulation. We're not talking about getting rid of this physical body because we can use it as a teaching vehicle in a living nirvana, which is how we experience Buddha-ness in our, in our Saha mind. Yeah? But that's a different bodhisattva than the bodhisattva of the three lesser vehicles, which still is adhered to the sustenance and continuation of this physical body. It's an attitude and intent shift, right? Paradigm shift. So the bodhisattva of the lotus, different than a bodhisattva of the pre-lotus. And that is the key difference. Hmm? It's the only difference, really. Then it may be said, extinction is forever complete, nothing remaining. Nothing of the identity. Do you see? The Buddha in the Great Assembly proclaims that I shall become a Buddha. Hearing such a voice of the law, all doubts and regrets have been removed. On first hearing the Buddha's teaching, in my mind, there was fear and doubt, lest it might be Mara acting as Buddha, distressing and confusing my mind. Right? Actually, talk about profound doubt. Maybe this whole thing, this guy calling himself Shakyamuni or being called Shakyamuni, walking around saying he's Buddha or has fully realized Buddha, maybe he's a trick. Maybe he's just a false, what we used to call false prophets in the West, yeah? Or, or, or just imposters trying to get us to belong to their club, send in our memberships, yeah? I can't see that happening. 
<laughs> but when the Buddha, with various reasonings and parables, speaks so skillfully, one's heart is peaceful as the sea. Yeah. On hearing, my nets of doubts were broken. The Buddha teaches that the infinite, extinct Buddhas of the past worlds calmly established and intactful ways all likewise expounded this law. This has always been the truth. The present and future Buddhas, countless in their numbers, also with tactful ways proclaim such a law as this. Actual past, actual future, no. The idea is that Buddha, the engine of life, abides. The entire cosmos constantly has and will be, is a continuation of this perception of time-space that we have, is simply the engorged potential expressed through the universe and everything in within it. Hmm? The present world-honored one, after his birth and leaving home, having gained the way and rolled the law wheel, also has taught with tactfulness. It is the world-honored one who teaches the true way, the deluded and malicious one has no such truths as these. Mara, he's referring to there. Hence, I know for certain that this is not Mara acting as Buddha, because but because I had fallen into nets of doubt, I conceived it as the doing of Mara. <sighs> I let myself fall into right, the power, the influence, the, the bad influences, if you will, of the karmic freight train of cultural traditions instead of listening intently to the teachings of Buddhism, yeah? Hearing the gentle voice of the Buddha, profound and very refined, expounding the pure law, my heart is filled with joy. My doubts and regrets are forever ended. I am at rest in real wisdom. I am sure I shall become a Buddha, revered by universal realms of influence and men, and rolling the supreme law wheel shall teach many bodhisattvas. Now that's resolve. Hmm? And implied within that is a letting go of the physical self. But he doesn't burn it. He doesn't chop off chunks of it. He doesn't do any of those visceral examples. He doesn't need to. Because now he's progressed to the lotus where he understands why all of those tales and examples and stories were taught. He doesn't need to make it the gory details because that in itself is an attachment to body. <laughs> yeah? It's not necessary because this is happening in the attitude and the intent of a sentient mind. At that time, the Buddha said to Shariputra, now I declare in this great assembly of universal realms of influence, men, ascetics, Brahmins, and others, of long ago in the presence of 20,000 Kodas of Buddhas for the sake of the Supreme Way, I continuously taught you 
while you also for long nights and days have followed me and received my teachings. By reason of my tactful guidance, you have been born into the law, my law. Shariputra, of long ago I caused you to resolve on the, the way, but you have now entirely forgotten it, and so consider that you have attained extinction. Now again desiring to cause you to re recollect the way which you originally resolved to follow, I teach for all the Shravakas this great vehicle sutra called the Lotus Dharma Sutra of the Wonderful Law, by which Bodhisattvas are instructed and by which the Buddhas watch over and keep in mind. Mind, 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 mind. Shariputra, in a world to come, after infinite, boundless, and inconceivable kalpas, when you shall have served some thousand myriad kodas of Buddhas, maintained the right law, and completed the way which bodhisattvas walk, you shall become a Buddha whose title will be Flower Light Tathagata. Revered, all-wise, perfectly enlightened in conduct, well-departed, understander of the world, peerless leader, controller, teacher of universal realms of influence and in men, Buddha, world-honored one, and whose doma domain shall be named undefiled, whose land will be level and straight, pure and ornate, peaceful and prosperous, replete with celestial ornate, uh, sorry, celestial people, with lapis lazuli for earth, having eight intersecting roads with golden cords to bound their cities, and by each road a line of precious seven trees, precious seven trees, always filled with flowers and fruits. I think that should say precious seven gems. Gem trees? Hmm. I have to look that up. The Tathagata flower light will also teach and convert all living creatures by the three vehicles. Interesting, he reintroduces the three vehicles because he knows that as long as there's a Saha world, there will be samsaric minds in it, and all to their own capacities, as he's mentioned before, from the dull to the quick and uh, witted, will need to be instructed by their capacity. But all ultimately leading to this one vehicle, yes? He continues... Shariputra, when that Buddha appears, though it is not in a deluded and malicious, malicious age, he will teach the three vehicle laws because of his original vow. Its kalpa will be named ornate with great jewels. For what reason it is ornate, named ornate with great jewels? Because in that domain the bodhisattvas are considered the great jewels. These bodhisattvas will be infinite, boundless, inconceivable, beyond comp computation or compare, such as none can apprehend who has not a Buddha's wisdom. Whenever they walk, jewel flowers will receive their feet. These bodhisattvas will not have started in this conception for the first time, for all of them will have cultivated the roots of virtue for a long time, purely performing noble deeds under infinite hundreds, thousands, myriads of Buddhas, being always praised by Buddhas, constantly practicing the Buddha wisdom, 
perfecting the great spiritual pervading power, knowing well the way of all the laws and being upright and genuine in character, firm in will and thought, such bodhisattvas as these will fill that domain. So this was taught thousands of years ago. So in the uh, construct of a former middle and latter day of the law or the five periods or the different dharma teachings right he's not talking about lifetimes from now he's talking about the next moment the next three million moments which is only a moment away <laughs> a second away yeah you will achieve buddhaness and you will have this influence and the Buddhas you will speak to are all the sentient minds that have the potential to open their Buddhaness. We are all Buddha. We just don't know it. We need to learn how to experience it. We need to make the effort. And that effort can seem arduous and take a lot of time. Kalpas. But every time you hear these long expressions of time, think about the picket fence analogy, right? At the back of the appendix of the uh, Buddhism reference books. Shariputta, the lifetime of the Buddha flower light will be 12 minor kalpas. You'll be experiencing Buddhaness. It'll feel like forever. Except the time during which he, being a prince, has not yet become a Buddha. Just like Shakyamuni himself, right? He's expressing this path that all of us have. You and I are princes and princesses on our way to Buddhahood. And we express our Buddhahood, we experience our Buddhahood every time we chant the Daimoku. So we do this moment to moment to moment, right? Right now, I'm experiencing moments of Bodhisattva and Shravaka and Prataka Buddha, but a lotus Bodhisattva because I'm articulating through my own expedient devices, skillful means, the teachings of Shakyamuni Buddha or Buddhaness. And when I'm done and I go back to my Butsudan and I chant the Daimoku, I'll awaken Buddha. Right? But in this form, speaking to you, recording this on video and audio, I'm experiencing Bodhisattva, Lotus Bodhisattva. Yes? This is what you do when you chant. When you tell, when you talk to your friends about this, it's a little seesaw of the Saha world. Incredibly important, value creating, and an immense experience of life, the engine of life. Yes, and the lifetime of the people of his domain shall be eight minor kalpas. The Tathagata flower light at the expiration of twelve minor kalpas 
will predict the future destiny of the Bodhisattva full of firmness to perfect enlightenment and will declare to all the bhikshus, this Bodhisattva full of firmness shall next become a Buddha, whose title will be calmly walking on flowery feet Tathagata. Well departed Samyak Sambodai, the domain of the Buddha also will be of like character. Shariputra. After the extinction of this flower-like Buddha, the right Dharma law will abide in the world during 32 minor kalpas, and then the counterfeit or semblance law will also abide in the world during 32 minor kalpas. Because just like right now, there will be those who are pursuing a false nirvana just so they can stick with the program. This is always going to be the mixture. If you're a fan of... Uh, the, the idea of Kozen Rufu, which is something sectarian, but the idea being a conception of world peace, which is an outcome of enlightenment, of our practice. But if you're into, if you're into that particular teaching of Kozen Rufu, it takes hold of this segmentation, that there's always going to be those who are walking the bodhisattva path, who have experienced buddhaness like you and I, and continue to train. And there will always be those who can't quite buy it. They'll happily work on nirvana. They logically, with their analytical minds, will see nirvana as a potential for them, but they won't accept their buddha nature. They'll be good supporters. They'll practice. They'll give us somebody to teach and encourage, right? And then there will be those who can't be bothered. And they'll stay ignorant. Those three divisions. That's the essence of the Kosen Rufa teaching. I'm not particularly fond of it simply because it puts, it puts limitations in the way. Why not just stick with the program? And if that's what happens, that's what happens. But our focus should simply be to attain enlightenment for ourselves and radiate that into everyone we encounter. And if we do that, why diminish the potential for every sentient mind on earth coming to this conclusion, this realization? Why not? Why put stipulations into it? Eh. So I don't particularly follow that logic, but it is defined in Buddhism reference because it is a common term. But now you see where I stand on it. And here I have an annotation on this counterfeit law, also known as the semblance dharma, is the false nirvana that was used by Shakyamuni as the temporary goal to entreat the monks of the early teachings to persevere in their practice. This is the first revolution of this ultimate one vehicle teaching of the lotus for all those in the assembly, right? It's the Hoban chapter. It is time now for all students to let go of their previous attachments to deep cultural and traditional norms. This is the only way forward to reach the true goal of Buddhist practice of quickly attaining the complete and perfect enlightenment, Anuttara Samyak Sambhavai, of Buddhaness in this present realm of forms. So 
It's annotated here. I've already talked about it. At that time, the world-honored one desiring to proclaim this teaching over again spoke thus in verse. Do we have time? Nah. We'll save that for the next video. Thank you again for listening along, paying attention. I truly appreciate your support, which ranges from, as you know, liking and subscribing takes a few seconds, but really a beneficial to our propagation of this resource and the promulgation of Nietzsche's doctrine of the Lotus Sutra. Yeah? And of course, the links are in the description for all manner of support from uh, the bookstore, the mandala store. Excuse me. Certainly, lots of free information on threefoldlotus.com on the core study materials page. You can download for yourself or as a teaching aid, a conversation aid, whatever. Um, gosh, those of you who do get ebooks and make purchases through the stores are a tremendous boost to paying the bills here and keeping this going. And those of you who make donations through Patreon and uh, PayPal, Namal Mule and thank you for taking on the responsibility of universally worthy bodhisattva. Yeah, you guys are incredible and uh, certainly keep me motivated in truth all of this this practice keeps me motivated but um you patrons really make it um doable uh, there's just a cost to everything right we live in a capitalist world so i don't know how else it would work but um all of you your support means the continuation of this resource and uh i have deep appreciation for that and your practice. So stay healthy. Keep your practice strong. Let me know your thoughts in the comments or email. And I will see you in the next one. We may actually get to the parable in this chapter. Bye-bye for now.